The reading this morning is taken from Acts 1, verses 12 to 26. Matthias chosen to replace Judas. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared this ministry. With the reward he got for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language Akeldama, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it. And may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it's necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed two men, Joseph, called Barsabas, also known as Justus, and Matthias. They then prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas has left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the eleven apostles. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church. It's good to be here. And we are here today in this gap between Ascension and Pentecost. Now, for some churches, Ascension passes them by. But Ascension is an important part of the calendar of the year. Ascension is about realizing that Jesus gave everything up. He came down from heaven and then returned to the place where he rightfully belonged. In a way, he reversed our trajectory because we come from the earth and we live and then we're meant to return to the earth. But Jesus changed that because we're filled with him, because we believe and trust in him. We have that chance to move on into heaven. Some churches miss out on this moment of the importance of Jesus returning to heaven. 
And this condition has a name. It's called Ascension Deficit Disorder, <laughs> which is a little church joke. There's no point remembering it. It won't work anywhere else. So let's begin with this. Let's begin with this. I got up early one morning and rushed right into the day. I had so much to accomplish that I didn't have time to pray. Today, we're thinking about the importance of prayer. What a gift it is. And why is it that we don't pray more? And what happens when we do pray? I got up early one morning and rushed right into the day. I had so much to accomplish that I didn't have time to pray. These verses in Acts chapter 1 help us because in a way we're in a similar place to, to the place that they were. They were waiting for things to open up. They were waiting for the Holy Spirit. Similar way we're waiting for things to open up. We're waiting for a new chapter of the life of our church to begin. And so it helps to look back and see what we can learn from them. And in these verses, we see a story about Peter, a story about the importance of the 12 apostles, and a story about, above everything, how important it is to pray. So first to Peter, the biggest and the best of the disciples, but also the least and the lost and the last one to leave Jesus, to desert him. For me, Peter's the perfect example of a man of action, isn't he? He's always blurting out the answer, making a ridiculous suggestion, jumping right in to put things right, jumping in without a care in the world. He's the one now who sees the need to elect a new member to the 12 apostles. And not much else is happening. So Peter's there. We can imagine him a bit frustrated that things aren't moving on. And this is the one thing he can do. So he gets on with it. Each time we see Peter in the Gospels, he's jumping into something. Now he's following the path that Jesus has put before him. Jesus chooses Peter because he has a good heart. Jesus teaches Peter to trust his reactions, to become the leader that he's meant to be. Peter may have made mistakes, but he was always going in the right direction. By now, he's learned that when Jesus gives him a, a direction, he should follow it. And that first direction for Peter at this point in time, as we heard last week, was to wait. They had to wait. So Peter keeps them all together. The 120 followers of Jesus, the disciples, the women, the family of Jesus, and they all have one purpose. They are joined together constantly in prayer. This is what they do. They're joined together constantly in prayer. And in the next part, I don't know whether you notice, but the, as the apostles are listed, they're listed in pairs. And that's because in the early church, they always worked in pairs. Peter and John go and heal a man, a beggar at the temple, and they have to stand before the Sanhedrin together. They work in pairs. Jesus sent the disciples out in pairs. Jesus had this thing about people working in pairs. And I think it's working for me and for Adam that we're working in pairs. I think Jesus had something and that's a good thing for us to continue and to follow on with.
Peter, though, is at the center of this story. And he sees how important it is to have 12 disciples, 12 apostles. Peter must have been as shocked as anyone else that it was Judas who betrays Jesus. Judas, who's lived with them, who's been with his master for three years. Judas betrays Jesus. And Peter shows the others that in God's word, this was how it was always going to happen. But Jesus needs 12 on his team sheet, 12 who would take on the world with the Holy Spirit. Those 12 were to represent the 12 tribes of Israel because way back in the book of Genesis, when Jacob saw the face of God, he was renamed Israel. And Jacob goes on to have 12 sons. And those 12 sons become the 12 tribes. The 12 tribes who are rescued by God from slavery as they're brought out of Egypt. And now in a new way, Jesus is bringing us out of slavery. He's opening up a new way of life. He's bringing us to a new relationship with God. And so Jesus says to his disciples, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man is seated on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. There were to be twelve of them. Peter knew that there, would need, that there needed to be twelve to sit on those twelve thrones. But how to do it? How to select the next person to join the 12. Well, first, that person had to be a companion of Jesus. He had to have seen all the things that Jesus did and heard all the words that Jesus said. Remember, there to be witnesses, there to be witnesses about all that Jesus has done. And there's no point being a witness if you haven't got any evidence to witness about. So from all the people who've been with Jesus, they select two candidates who they all agree are worthy of this job. They're determined about who they want. These proposed people are selected. And next they pray. They ask the Lord Jesus to show them everyone, who knows everyone's heart, to show them who they should select. Prayer is a crucial part of the process. But then they let God in because they decide to cast lots. They cast lots and their lot might have been a vote that they wrote down and put in a jar in the way that we vote. But it could be that casting lots was a bit like rolling dice or casting stones or pulling one of two stones out of a bag. It could have been something quite random. In, in some ways. It might sound a bit too much like chance for us, not a proper selection process that gives the candidates 15 minutes to prepare a preparation, uh, prepare a presentation about uh, the objectives and the priorities of the disciples in the first six, six months of their ministry. It wasn't like that. They cast lots. But you know, there's still a church that selects their leader by casting lots. The Coptic church of Egypt, which is an ancient church that goes back to Mark, who was the first bishop of Alexandria in Egypt. The Coptic church chooses its pope 
the Pope of the Coptic Church by pulling out names from a bowl. First, they select three candidates. So they select three candidates from all of the bishops and the monks uh, in the Coptic Church. And then they gather for a great service of prayer and worship. And then they get an 11-year-old boy and they blindfold him. And they put the three names in balls in a bowl. And the blindfolded boy has his hand lifted and put into the bowl. And he stirs around the balls and he pulls out the name. And they say that's allowing God into the process. Because this child has no way of knowing whose name will be pulled out. They whittled it down to three. And then the name is pulled out and opened and read by uh, the priest in charge of the service and the new pope of the Coptic church is elected. If you want to see the last time they did that in November uh, 2012, it's on YouTube if you put in selection of the Coptic pope. It's a brilliant way of letting God into the process. God can use all sorts of ways to choose people as long as they're surrounded by prayer. All sorts of things can happen when people pray. Did you know that God can even use Radio 1? About 25 years ago, when I was still a vet, my vicar came to me and asked me to be church warden. And my re immediate reaction was, no way, no, I'm not doing that. I was the partner in a busy vet's practice, and I had a young family with three children, and I didn't need anything else in my life. It was quite busy enough. But the vicar said to me, will you go away and pray about it? And it's very hard to say no when someone says, will you go away and pray for it, about it. The only answer really is yes, isn't it? So, uh, so later on that week, I was in the operating theatre at work, and I'd just taken some bits out of a black and white collie bitch. And there comes a time in that particular operation when you're stitching up the abdomen, and if you've done it over a number of years, you go into autopilot, and you don't have to focus too much, concentrate too much, because you know what you're doing, uh, and, and it becomes a natural action. So as I was stitching up this bitch, my mind went back to his question, and should I become church warden? And I was thinking, thinking of ways that I was going to tell him that I wasn't going to do this job. And then into my head came a voice that said, the next song on the radio will tell you what to do. And that doesn't happen to me very often, but it happened on that day. And the nurses in the prep room, they always had Radio 1 on uh, as they got the animals ready for the operations and they cleared up afterwards. They were listening to Radio 1. So I started listening through the door of the operating theatre to what was on the radio. The next song will tell you what to do. And there was the news and then there was the weather. And I was thinking, come on, what's the next song going to be? And the next song on the radio was the Bee Gees singing, How Deep Is Your Love? And there's a line in the chorus that says, it's me you need to show how deep is your love. And I wasn't expecting that, but that was how I became church warden in my church. Sometimes God can step in. It's good to let him in. We think that we're in charge, but God is the one who has the big plan. He has the best plan. The election of Matthias is a decision that's soaked in prayer, made within an atmosphere of prayer, 
When we pray, we bring God into the situation, being open to him and what he has to say to us, allowing his Holy Spirit to lead us. At the moment, we're being called into a time of prayer by this initiative called Thy Kingdom Come. It happens every year and it's fixed for this time of year because you can see how it resonates with this time of the story of the church that we're waiting between Ascension Day and Pentecost. It's a time that fits 10 days of prayer. We're praying for a new beginning for our church, aren't we? Praying for courage and confidence, for words and for wisdom. Praying to build God's kingdom here. And I hope that lots of you have engaged with this Thy Kingdom Come. There's lots of ways to do that. Through the website, you can download an app onto your phone that gives you a daily update. There's a prayer journal. For those with families, there's a thing called Cheeky Pandas, which is a complete mystery to me, but apparently it's really good for the children. So look at the Cheeky Panda episodes. We've got a prayer meeting each day at 8.30 from 8.30 to 9 each morning next week on Zoom. The details are in the news update. We get together to pray. And I find it really encouraging to be with people to pray. And we know that that time won't work for everyone, but it's good to come if you can, because we are a praying church. When we were waiting for our new vicar to arrive, we prayed. As we've been getting this new vision together, we've prayed. But it's all too easy to let prayer get crowded out. We don't want to lose our commitment to prayer. There will always be things that get in the way of prayer if we let them. And when those things get in the way, then we start to live life in our own strength. And we don't let God guide us and lead us into those opportunities and situations where he wants us to be. Remember at the start of the talk, that verse, I got up early one morning and rushed right into the day. I had so much to accomplish that I didn't have time to pray. That verse came from a prayer card that was in someone's Bible that was shared this week in those times of prayer that we have together. And the poem goes on to describe the downside of that approach to life. That if we don't pray, we don't let God into our lives and we miss out on so much. And the poem ends. I woke up early this morning and I paused before entering the day. I had so much to accomplish that I had to take time to pray. This is how the early church worked. Prayer equipped them for the battles that they faced and for the challenges that they met. As we move out of this pandemic, we need to be people of prayer, people open to God's word to us. It will be so easy to fall back into the busyness of the way that we lived before. But we need to make sure that we slow down enough to let God in. This is what God's been saying to me, I shared a bit last week, and uh, I've got the pictures off of my phone just to illustrate that. If we could have the, the next slide, Ben. When we were on holiday, um, God was saying, slow down, slow you down, please slow down. That was what God was saying to me as we went on our holidays. These were the things that stood out from all of the things in the day that we encountered. 
this, these two signs were in Norfolk. We went from Norfolk to North Yorkshire and uh, at the harbour in Whitby, uh, on the harbour mouth, you can see at the centre of that picture, there's a sign that says slow. And it, underneath it says slow to all the vessels entering this harbour, reduce your speed now. Slow. We need to spend time in prayer. We need to slow down, to let God speak to us so that he can show us the way to go. When we let God in, we will have plenty to witness about. He'll give us plenty of opportunities to do that. I'm very happy for you to share that story of God speaking to me through Radio 1 and changing the course of my life. Go and tell other people that God speaks to people today. He even spoke to this person who is a vet, who you'd think might be a normal, rational, sensible sort of person. And he spoke to him and told him through the Bee Gees to, to be church warden. You can go and tell that story. When we let God in, God changes us and he changes this world. I woke up early this morning and paused before entering the day. I had so much to accomplish that I had to take time to pray. Let's pray now. Heavenly Father, help us to make space for our relationship with you. Help us to spend time in prayer. Make us passionate about our prayer lives. Encourage us to encourage one another in prayer. Help us to make prayer an unmissable part of each day. And with our stories of answered prayer, may we speak stories of you into our world. In Jesus' name, amen.